0: Hi everybody, welcome to Stone and Chalk and the Pop Tech Association of Australia's webinar. This is the second webinar that we're hosting in a series of of webinars for the pop tech industry. My name is Marianne Lampertang, and I'm the General Manager of Stone and Chalk in Sydney. I'm really, really excited to uh, welcome Kylie and our panellists today, but before I do that, just wanted to give a brief introduction about Stone and Chalk for those of you who don't know who we are. So we were founded in FinTech in 2015, and our mission has always been to identify, nurture, connect, and propel the the world's best startups and scale-ups. We do this by connecting them with the five pillars we believe they need the most, which is community, capital, talent, expertise, and customers. So today, I'll be handing over to Carly, who'll introduce all the panelists, but just a little bit of housekeeping beforehand. At the bottom of your screen is a Q&A function. During the, um, the, during the panel, um, we won't be taking questions, but if you could pop them in at the, during the session and we'll pick them up at the end. And depending on time and how many questions we'll have, we'll cover them. Thank you very much and over to you, Kylie.
1: Thanks so much, Marianne, and welcome everyone to our uh, second PropTech panel, the disruptors of property management. Now, property management is a $5.5 billion industry in Australia with commission levels um, per property up to around uh, 7%. And the response rates for tenants for basic repairs and maintenance can take weeks and sometimes months, as well as the fact that we have a, a workforce around property management that is highly stressed and very mobile. So, the industry has long been ripe for disruption. But who are those disruptors and what are the lessons that traditional property managers can learn from their innovations? And what can those disruptors teach other prop techs in the space about working in property management? So, welcome everyone to the PropTech Association of Australia's second PropTech panel, where we're discussing the future of property management by looking at the disruptors who are changing the game for landlords, tenants, and the traditional business model. So, my name's Kylie Davis, and I am the founder of the PropTech Association, and it's great to see so many people um, on the call today for our second PropTech panel. And I'd especially like to thank our main sponsors, Stone and Chalk, who have made the event possible, and the PropTech Association Board for their ongoing support and in enthusiasm for the sector. Now, over the last three years, there's been an explosion of innovation in property management space. We've seen a plethora of tech designed to make the work that property managers do more efficient. And this ranges from the introduction of AI to the challenging the need for trust accounting and automating many of those really dreary admin tasks that um, PMs have been obliged to do for rentals so that they're compliant with legislation and to get tenants in and out of properties. But is that work enough? And has this tech been focused on the right part of the market? So to discuss this issue, I'd like to introduce our expert panel, um, all of whom are passionate about transforming the sector for investors and renters, which I think in 2020 is how we should be, uh, the words we should be calling landlords and tenants, it kind of feels quite futile. But our first panellist is Mark Trowell, CEO and co-founder of Yabonza. Now Mark has fused a long and rewarding career in real estate with a passion for technology and innovation that transforms a Is anyone else getting feedback or is it just me? Many you're nodding, you're getting feedback? Uh, Okay, Um, I'm on the south coast of New South Wales and my internet might be a little bit funky. So, if it goes on, can someone like pop a note in the chat to let us know and we'll try and address that. Um, Our second panellist is Meena Radhakrishnan, CEO and founder of Different. Now, Meena has an enviable background in innovation and technology and she's worked as a product manager at Google in Silicon Valley and was the first product manager for Uber before vent- moving into venture capital and coming home to Australia and establishing different. And last but certainly not least, I'd like to welcome AJ Chan from Instrument. So, before establishing Instrument in 2017, AJ was Chief Technology Officer at SEG and has held roles at World ID Verification and Telstra. So, welcome everyone to the PropTech panel. Thanks
2: for
1: having us, Harley.
2: Thank okay. you, Sally. Thanks for having us.
1: So let's kick off with um, with you, Mark, um, from the, your Bonza. Now, your Bonza is taking on traditional property management. What do you think are the key challenges facing traditional property managers at the moment?
3: Well, I think mean, I think you pointed it one way is obviously increased competition is certainly one of those areas. But if you if you break down traditional property management and actually you look at you know, what what is involved around that obviously a lot around transparency, communication, all this stuff. There is a lot coming into this space that is improving the the, the ability to communicate with them. But but more to the point, you've got businesses coming in there that are coming in at scale. So they're looking at property management in a different way than what your localised, you know, business would have looked at it, you know, who operate within a certain sort of zone or certain area. And these businesses are coming into it, looking at it in a, in a more holistic or corporate sense, so to speak, which is going like, I can then scale this business. I can then look at it right the way across the country. I can then create a professional services area really around, solely around property management, separated from the sales side of the business that can service tenants and landlords no matter where their property tends to exist. So, that's really some of the things you're getting. And and because of it, it's that these businesses start looking at driving efficiency into the processes, huge amounts of efficiency, which then is passed on to the landlords, the tenants in terms of price. Um, so, what you're seeing, I guess, from a lot of these prop tech players coming in around the property management space and when they're lowering fees, it's not necessarily about lowering fees to try and win business. It's about lowering fees to make it consumer to, to, what, you know, people, to what the service level actually costs.
1: And so, we're seeing this move from property management away from just being small, geographically located businesses into sort of more broader, bigger market stuff. What made you want to start your bond
3: Yeah, look, I, I think you probably said some at the beginning. I've, I've had a quite a long career in and around property and banking and payments, so to speak, and a lot of them come to, together at this point. So I started uh, a career in property management 28 years ago here in in Sydney and and also likewise just after that in the UK for quite a number of years before ending up at uh, Macquarie Bank and actually running a lot of the prop tech or the the real estate technology for Macquarie Bank and we would do a lot of deep dives into actually real estate businesses themselves and, you know, look at the efficiency around those businesses. And inherently in, in looking at those businesses, it was not necessarily bringing in the technology that was going to make them efficient. It needed a wholesale change in the business model itself. And so, you know, having my own investment properties in the UK and also in Australia, I was faced with that problem around myself, around, well, I need, you know, I need someone that can look over two of them, even though they're in different jurisdictions. I need one single view. I need this better communication, transparency. Tech will bring in a certain way, but I need to be able to then change the way that the business operates itself. And then that's effectively how your bonds was born. I came out of Macquarie Bank and thought, well, you yeah, know, who better to try it than myself?
1: Fair enough. So, your business model, you charge just a fraction of the price of a, a traditional property manager. Yep. And a lot of audience questions around that that were submitted previously. Is this disruption just around the price?
3: No, the price is the last thing to do with it. You know, we know you'll never survive on a price came alone. Um, we've seen it in a lot of other industries. It's, it's got to come down to a lot of the key factors around, you know, transparency, communication, but how we look at it also as we look at property as an asset for a landlord. They buy, a, they buy an investment property if, they, if they're investing into investment property for a certain reason, either like income, capital growth. There's, there's a number of trigger points in there. So really what you've got to do is you've got to work with them. At the same time, you've got this tenant sitting on the other side as well, but, you know, and you've got to view the tenant's guest. You know, you've got a hotel, you've got to, you know, a guest comes into a hotel, um, that's you've got to make it attractive for them. So, for us, efficiency drives price. So, if price is the last thing that we look at. Efficiency, communication, transparency, all of these things, asset ownership, retention, et cetera, sits above, above those.
1: So, most of uh, price is a big thing on the website. Yep. Um, are clients, uh, are your landlords coming to you attracted mainly to the cheaper price? Or are they-
3: we we get a number of things. Um, repairs and maintenance tend to be the biggest thing that people come to us from, um, frustration around repairs and maintenance, which is, which is quite interesting. Where we tend to attract um, most landlords from is the fact that our serviceability area, we're not constrained to a particular localised zone we can manage property right the way across Australia no matter where it is. And in fact, we do that today. We manage properties from your name it, Alice Springs, Mount Isa, Darwin, to you know, obviously all the capital cities. It's irrelevant to the area that we're in. And what we're finding now as a result of that, when we started out, our average um, landlord had 1.2 properties. That's now ticked over two. And we're finding now the average landlord coming on has between sort of six to 20 properties. So we're finding what we're getting now is landlords with wanting one point of call. So that seems to be part of the main attraction is going, I can go to Ibonza, I can get what I need in terms of transparency, communication, and obviously an efficient price structure, but more to the point, I've got one point of call to go to. I don't have to deal with every three or four property managers or different people on the ground doing all these different things. I've got this one point of call.
1: So how are platforms like Bonza changing the employment opportunity for property managers?
3: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I actually gave a talk about it a few years back to a room full of 600 property managers. Um, and that was, that was quite an interesting chat. Look, how, how we look at it is, you know, it's not necessarily a prop tech that's changing. The consumer is demanding a different way of working from now. So, you know, and what I gave at that, that talk was around you've got to respond to what the consumer is saying, but look for the opportunity in what these platforms are bringing along. You know, you've seen it in a lot of other industries where platform technology has come in and create, actually created a different way of people working. Now, if you look at a real estate firm where you've got obviously a licensee and the individual property manager, that property manager really has not, I actually feel for them because a lot of them are overworked. They're, as you said at the beginning, like they're stressed, they're under a lot of pressure, they're capped out of a certain amount of things that they can do. But you know, it's around how do we create opportunities for those people and and for us, we have we have an on-demand workforce right the way across Australia. And that is actually being born out of either current or ex-property managers. And we've now created that facility to give them that flexible working around their lifestyle. Um, and we've particularly seen this during COVID. It has really suited a lot of people in terms of what they want to do. Um, people that can still work 40 hours a week if they want to, but it's, it's more or less working on their terms. And so that is really... I would say for an existing property manager, look at where you want to go with your career. You know, is it that you on an ownership or are you striving to be the, the, the licensee or not? If you, where are you in your career? What excites you the most? Because you've got property managers out there at the moment that are doing everything. Right? They're doing from repairs and maintenance to open inspections, property condition reports, leasing, you name it. Right? And that's generally why they're stressed out because they've got this acute scope. Really focus on what interests you the most and go after that, and that's, that's why platforms like Ibiza provide those opportunities for existing property managers.
1: Fantastic. So, so Mina, let's move to you now, um, and to the now. With your background at Uber and Google, you were really strategic about your move into the property management space. So, tell us why property management was so appealing to you to get into as a as a technology business.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, Kylie, you alluded to it a little bit before, which is this idea that there are owners and there are renters, right? And nothing's changed in this industry in a really long time. And I think if I learned one thing from Uber, it's like Uber is absolutely a tech company, but it's also just as much an operations company and a logistics company. It's about moving real things in the physical world. And I think that when you bring together technology in the physical world in that way, you actually can create a better experience for people overall. Like, um, you know, I remember being in San Francisco before Uber existed and trying to find a cab on a Saturday night, and just literally standing out in the rain for 45 minutes trying to hail somebody down, um, and it was just awful. It was a bad human experience, you know. And I and I think there's very similar parallels to property management, where it's like it's your home. It's such an important part of your life, and. Um, because there isn't sort of good technology to make that experience better, I think it, it doesn't feel good. It's like, why am I waiting three weeks for my air conditioner to be fixed? Why is there constantly a leaky tap? Like it never it never ends. And so I think for me, when I looked at that, it's like it felt like property management is a very, very similar area with real world physical things that you can use technology to do better because it's all about here's a task. It has to be recorded. It has to be followed up. It has to be confirmed. It has to be finalized. And, you know, I think as, as people, like the things that we're really good at, sympathy, compassion, empathy, negotiation, those all play a part in property management as well. But there's just this big component of like, have a task, follow up on it and make sure it's done. And I think that's the stuff that technology is really good at. Um, And it felt like there was a way to make this just a better human experience for both owners and tenants using technology to do so.
1: So, so what's, what's wrong with traditional property management with the way that we've done it with one person trying to look after um, a landlord and a, and a tenant on the other side?
4: Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't frame it as as wrong or right. I think there's different ways to be able to handle it. I think some of the, um, some of the concerns that arise, right, are that you typically have one property manager managing everything to do for 150 um, portfolios, right? That includes actually um, running out to the house to do inspections, to do routines, to manage whatever needs to be done. And it's really hard. It's really hard to be in the office because you've got to drive 30 minutes to go somewhere, spend two hours there, come back. In the meantime, that's five hours away where you haven't responded to anything. It's really tough. People can get frustrated and they can get upset because there's no, like, what's going on? Why hasn't this person replied to me? Even, even just to say like, hey, I'm out of the office, I'm doing this thing, it's really tough. I think a second thing is that while there is technology in the space, um, the technology is about tracking. It's not about doing the job, right? And so I think that makes it harder as well because at the end of the day, you still have to do everything and it can get overwhelming because Um, property management is a tough business. It's a really tough business. It's a lot of people coming to you with problems most of the time, right? And I think as a property manager, you need support. You need processes, you need technology that, that takes away some of your work. And I think that's the really challenging thing. It's like, it's hard to expect one person to do all of it for one set of things and you can never really become an expert at things. You can't become just really, really good at understanding maintenance or great at managing the process of lease renewals, or doing any of those kinds of things. Whereas the approach that we take it different is more of a specialized approach in that way, right? We have a team of people that works on things and teams of people are responsible for um, core areas. So our maintenance team, for example, has really clear and accountable business metrics. They're they're responsible for making sure that 90% of, um, you know, requests, maintenance requests that come through are assigned, closed and fixed within 14 days of it going to a tradesperson. And we measure that. We know like exactly how long it takes for us to do every single maintenance request. We know where that is. And because our team owns that metric, they have so much, um, they, they just work so hard to get it done because they know that that's, that's theirs and they own it. And I think that that's a really powerful thing.
1: Fantastic. so you different charges a flat fee, so you know like uh, what hundred dollars uh, um, per property, yep. and that's both significantly cheaper to what property managers charge, but it's also even uh, cheaper than what the other the other disruptors on this panel are charging. So are you what what makes up that fee, or how are you able to charge that fee and and are you actually even disrupting the disruptors?
4: I <laughs> uh, don't know about that. I'll, I'll leave that to them. But um, you know, in terms of how we pick the fee, you know, as Mark alluded to earlier, that's the least important part of our of our conversation with owners and with renters, right? Like, it's like, yep, it's hundred dollars. Great. Let's actually talk about what you need and where you're trying to go from. And, and it just makes it really simple. Like, we put our pricing up on our website. Like, it's front and center. It doesn't change for anybody because we don't need to offer discounts. We don't need to do any more. That's just our price. That's who we are. And if you don't like it, that's okay too. Um, So I think that it just makes it a lot simpler to be able to focus on the real value to owners, which is around transparency, communication. Um, and And I think the biggest thing is I just don't think percentage fees are fair. Like, I don't think that, for example, a two bedroom apartment, just because it's in an area that the owner happened to choose that is more popular with people and costs $100 more a week. What has the property manager done to then reap the benefits of that? I just don't think it belongs there. So, um, you know, my view on it is that I think a flat fee is fair because it represents the actual value of work that we do, whether it's a one-bedroom or two-bedroom or three-bedroom. The work doesn't matter that much. It's, it's fairly similar, right? Like, I can tell you that most, at even time, like 20% of properties have an open maintenance request. Um, very few properties have more than, like, two, three, four pro- maintenance requests in a year. Um, so, like, we can manage that process around it. And that $100 was meant to, you know, it's created from point of view of just being – fair, simple and easy to understand. Um, and we can provide a high quality service um, at that price and continue to thrive and that's what we want to do. In fact, if there's a way for me to bring it down even further, I would do that too.
1: So, so what's the information that different able to provide to investors or to tenants uh, or to renters that traditional property management doesn't or doesn't do very often?
4: Uh, so sorry, Kelly, you just you just broke um, broke out a little bit there, but let me just make sure I understand the question. Um, the question was around what is the information that different can provide to an owner or a renter that a traditional agency wouldn't be able to? Yep, that's it. Um, yeah, I think it comes in a couple of key things. One is because um, we our business is based on technology and on data first and foremost, right? So, for example, when a tenant logs a maintenance request with different um, look, you can you can send you can have tenants send requests by email, by SMS, by all of these. Other things. The challenge is that what you're dealing with at that point is just a bunch of free text, and it's really hard to take free text and analyze it. So what we do is that when a tenant logs a maintenance request, um, it's not hard to do, but it does require a certain amount of data. You have to say the room that it's in, um, or whether it's throughout the whole property. If it's in a particular room, what is the specific type of issue? You have to add photos, you have to add videos, because we need to be able to um, get, a, get the right tradesperson out so that they can do a good job on it. And secondly, make sure that the owner is aware of what the situation is, so if there's additional context that they can provide, then they can send that to us. So when a owner receives um, a request for approval of a maintenance request, they're not just getting some text that says, Hey, there's a problem in the house, and the leaks not, there's a there's a there's a leak in the bathroom. Actually, what you're seeing is like, hey, there's a problem in the house. It is in the bathroom, it is a leaky or dripping tap. Here are the photos, here are the videos of it, here's additional details. In fact, tenants can even just like record a little video if they want or just speak to the, to the, to the app directly. And so it's really clear. So when that comes through, I think an owner has a lot more confidence that um, basically like, okay, great, I actually know what the problem is, so I can go ahead and approve this with one click um, and, and pull that through. And then, and then because all of it runs through our system, as soon as a request is assigned, the owner gets an automatic push notification to update them to let them know that it's been assigned. So does the tenant. They get the contact details. And the tradesperson gets all of the same information as well, right? Um, and so each time that a request moves through, when it's been scheduled, after it's been completed all of that just gets automatically updated and shown to an owner, to a tenant. In fact, we even ask tenants for their satisfaction and feedback on how a maintenance request went. Um, And so I think it's, it's that aspect around it, right? Where it's like, if you're a traditional agency and you have to go follow up on every single maintenance request and update the owner and the tenant and the tradesperson, every time a change happens, you just can't do it. Like there's just physically not enough time in the day, which is exactly where I think technology starts to come into play on this. And then, you know, there's the whole payment side of it. I think also as Mark alluded to earlier, like, I think there's, a, as saying, you know, every company is a fintech company, right? Like we handle all of our payments on behalf of all of our, all of our um, owners and and and, uh, and renters. And as a result, like because all of that's running through our system, we know exactly when um, when a payment is dishonored, and there's an automatic follow up to go through and get it out. The owner's made aware of it. All our invoices are automatically tagged back to a maintenance request, so we can identify if an invoice comes in for a maintenance request that hasn't been approved. Nothing gets paid out in that way. So I think that that's the real value of of building technology around the home is that um, what you get is the data is the really powerful piece that allows you to very deeply understand homes in a way that I think traditional software and traditional agencies will struggle to do.
1: If you're a startup, a scale-up, or an established supplier of technology to real estate, join PropTech Association Australia. The PropTech Association Australia is a new national not-for-profit member association to grow the emerging PropTech industry. We champion real estate and property technology and work to grow the marketplace by helping the property and building industry feel more confident about adopting and investing in innovation. We're building a community of bold thinking innovators who share their knowledge and share best practice, quality solutions and consistent approaches. So come and join us. Membership is free till the end of 2020. Go to proptechassociation.com.au or follow us on LinkedIn. And, and I've just gone to my headset in the hope that that actually makes the sound a little bit clearer. But um, I, th- I think that's actually a great point, isn't it, Mina, that traditional property management has pretty much evolved out of the ways that things have always been done and, and the improvements have been incremental. So, look, absolutely, sending an email is a lot faster than sending a fax. <laughs> and, and it's certainly a lot faster than – can be a lot faster than um, – you know, trying to make a phone call and then leaving messages and playing phone tag all the time. But for for the three of you, you've come in sort of completely cold and gone. Not how do we improve on what's there, but actually, what does an amazing experience look like for a you know for a renter or a, for a um, for an investor? So so AJ, let's move on to you now. Now InstaRent. Um, does do a lot of things that are both similar to uh, different and your Bonza. So, let, let, let's actually explore what is similar and what's different. But you're the first direct property management uh, tech that is occurring completely on mobile. So, so why did you go mobile first?
2: Well, going mobile first um, eliminated a couple of, couple of key issues um, around data security, around real-time notifications for landlords and tenants. And um, the ability to scale technology as an app is um, it's predominantly where the market is going. And I think everyone knows that you know, mobile, mobile is first now. Everyone's using mobile, mobile um, apps for banking, finance, or whatever it might be. So, for InstaRent, um, we initially started as trying to fix a problem for the self-managed market. So, really, we wanted to go in as, and look at the self-management market. I'm a self-manager as well. I manage all my own properties, and I have for, for a very long time. So, managing the property in terms of the landlord and tenant communication, in terms of transparency between the two parties, and enabling all the functions that property managers have, and really virtualizing that and bringing it to the end user, which is the landlord and the tenant, um, which has which has been a great test as a startup. I guess we experimented a lot in terms of looking at the, the, the journey that the landlord has in, in order to, to self-manage. And also the lack of functions that tenants had in the market, um, which was a, a, a bigger issue as well. We can't, we can't veer away from the fact that tenants are making up most of, of this ecosystem. So, so yeah, mobile first was a strategy that, that secures us. I think it secures the technology and it also gives us uh, um, scalability to sort of move, move everything forward and, and investigate peer-to-peer, landlord-to-tenant as how these functions are working. We pretty much pulled apart every single traditional property management function and then attempted to digitize it and bring it to the end user.
3: It Sorry, Kyle. And-
1: uh, yeah it hang on what's going on? so everyone does have a, a mobile phone in their pocket so i mean it's it's it makes complete sense that the tenants would be able to to quickly shoot stuff and and then upload it straight from their phone um and you guys have been uh, funded or recently closed your latest funding from some crowdfunding uh, from the platform Virtual. Um, tell us a little bit about how that came about. Why did they find you interesting?
2: Well, um, the founders and co-founders of InstaRent, we, we, we work with a model that we bootstrap all technology and we don't raise funds to, to release our technology until it's at a point where it's, uh, it's completely sufficient and is growing and we have validated the market. The reason why we crowdfunded was really to hit a couple of verticals. For one, it, it took us directly to the consumers, which is what InstaRent is. It's a, is a direct-to-consumer product. And getting a buy-in from the crowd is, is ever more important, similarly because they, if they invest in it, then they become users of InstaRent, and that is what has happened. And really, to there's a lot of added benefits to, to doing a crowdfund at the early stages as well, which means that we had a lot of press as well. Um, for example, AFR naming us top six for 2020. And there's a lot of press. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of feedback that comes out of that, which is, which is in, in cases like InstaRent or for PropTech startup, it's more important that we get all the feedback and work off that feedback. You know, And uh, the capital is just uh, an added bonus, but really it's just the feedback that we need from the consumer market in order to keep growing the product and keep growing the functions that help support the Australian landlords and, and tenants
1: so so AJ what's your business model are
2: you, so or are you we have uh, we have a couple so what what we do is we have a subscription model and we also have one soft buys as well within the platform so subscription model is twenty dollars per property um, for a landlord and ten dollars for every property after that so really we put the owners back on the landlord. What we we are confident with is that we've automated majority of the functions that the landlord would need to self manage the property. So that is the subscription part. Also, trades pay us a subscription to be on our platform, and then we have once-off um, purchases like co-listing with real estate and domain, who are our partners. You know, screening tenants with Equifax, utilities, and such that that make up for another portion of, of how our business model works. But mainly, we are we are for, we are pushing towards making sure that our subscriptions. Um, for our landlords, provide the most value um, that they can. So they can list their property. They can, they can list their property. They can find tenants. They can screen tenants. They can go and manage within their platform. They can manage all their accounts, which is all digitized to a digital trust. And then you've got inspections that are all virtual, repairs that are all virtual, maintenance that's all virtual, and notices that, which is specifically broken down to states that, that function that way as well. So um, yeah, really our, our revenue model Greedy really is on the subscription side and the one Soft of buys as well.
1: So just so I'm clear, and I think just so we spell it out a little bit more to um, to our our our, our audience, um, while your Bonza and different are offering a service to. Uh, to landlords and tenants with InstaRent, basically, you're a platform that is facilitating landlords managing their own property and connecting with tenants, and then handling their own maintenance and things like yeah. that through, through connected services. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, the purpose behind that was really to understand the journey and the user experience that the landlords and tenants expect. Yeah, really. Um, you know, if we we have built that ecosystem now quite quite well, and what what that means is that. Um, the landlord and tenant have provided us feedback and now it gives us an opportunity to either to scale the product into the agency section by knowing, by knowing exactly what the landlord and tenant journey looks like um, or moving it up market. So, that there's the options that, that we have on the table that we can take. But the, the main purpose was to really find out the landlord and tenant journey and really get some feedback and make sure that that is the core of InstaRent.
1: Cool. And so, so, as part of this enabling of landlords, one of the things that InstaRent uh, manages is the maintenance side, and, and we are increasingly seeing, even in property management, um, that the ability to coordinate maintenance and have a pre- panel of preferred tradesmen can be a real asset. How, how do you guys manage, like, with landlords sort of managing their own stuff, how do you then manage maintenance?
2: Well, the, it gives the option to the landlord to actually you know, have a look at the maintenance themselves, if they want to address it themselves. Which the tenant, you know, the tenant takes um, takes an image of the repair of what it might be and logs it through the app. Every party, every single party, gets notified within the app, um, including Instarent and and the landlord. And then the landlord has an option to browse tradesmen that are listed within Instarent. To and we vet these tradesmen, and you know, we have a good relationship with them in terms of knowing that they're, they're they're well reviewed, that they're five star, and that they have they've got a pretty good track record. So then the, the landlord has the option to pick a trades within our platform to, to go out and, and do the or, – or ask for multiple quotes from multiple trades if, they, if they, that's what you want them to do. Um, and digitising really is, from our perspective, is how quickly the repair gets attended to. And it's about minimising the conflict between the landlord and tenant. And the repairs is one of those things that cost that all the time, where a tenant would – would log a repair and then no one will attend to it and in terms of traditional property management um, it, it does take a while for a property manager to get to that and, and address that so because it's real time it's all in the app it's all notifications get sent in real time to everyone so then everyone's on top of their repair and then the landlord can browse a tradesperson and, and agree on what it is and once the tra- once the repair is done as well then the tenant has to sign off on it. They go tick, yep. The the repair was done satisfactorily. The landlord does the same, and the trades does the same. So the ecosystem actually connects all three of them, and gives them all the functions that they need to make sure that that repair gets dealt with as soon as possible.
1: Fantastic. So so look, let's let's open it up to some general questions from from each of you, uh, that to for you to all kind of to dive in on. And we do have an awful lot of um, audience questions, which is fantastic. All of you, um, you know, are focused on sort of landlords and tenants or investors and renters as we're trying to change our language. But what – how do you – uh, what's the value to tenants to getting involved in this? Um, you know, what, what's the tenant journey? Why is it better from a tenant point of view? And, and I think, Amina, you actually offer for, people, for tenants to sign up with you directly as well. So, let's talk about tenants.
4: Um, yeah, so uh, yes, I mean, we'd love for tenants to tell their owners to sign up with us. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if it's a professionally managed property, the owner has to be the one making a decision. So um, I'd love for tenants to sign up directly, but unfortunately, yeah, it's the final call on it. Um, yeah, I, I think that, like, look at the end of the day. Uh, in this business, like what you're trying to do is trying to take care of somebody's most valuable asset and keep it at that same quality, right? Ultimately, it's like you want to make sure that the capital appreciates. And you've got somebody living in the house. Um, the more that they appreciate living in the house and the better a job that they do taking care of it, the more likely it is that you, as an owner, ultimately are going to be in a good position. And so I don't think that it serves anyone in this business to treat tenants badly. Um, I think the best way to do it is actually to treat tenants well, have a good relationship with them, work well with them, know that they're there for you, and ultimately to make sure that the property is a good experience and um and then the best way to do that is to like communicate regularly and make it easy to be able to um record and report the issues that that come up you know I think like one particularly challenging instance of that um has been recently with COVID right and obviously dealing with rental reductions and doing that and for us I think one of the really critical parts in managing that well is like it's not just about owners it's not just about tenants it's actually about like hey we're all in a very difficult situation together, how do we treat this with compassion and with empathy while at the same time, um, you know, having some objective and clear guidelines in place. So, you know, we we made it easy for tenants to be able to provide us with information. We did ask for specific information around like, okay, what is leading to your needing rental relief? How do we make sure that we can best position that to the owner? How do we come to an amicable um, solution? Because I think it's for both parties. You know, yeah, the tenant is having difficulty paying their rent but at the end of the day. The owner is also going to have difficulty paying their mortgage. And so so, we, we just have to balance those things and treat both sides with compassion in, you know, what is an extraordinary situation. Mm. So, sorry, Carly, so, yeah, it's go. a
3: good one to go in there as well. Look, we, did, we did a lot of study on this tenant side as well, and you probably see our acquisition of uh, EasyShare, which is a payments gateway. Now, EasyShare was already in the market, just purely serving tenants, allowing tenants to, you know, you look at tenants in joint tenants, you know, split bills, utilities, the way they manage property. Easy Share was already operational in that area. And we looked at, it, to, to your very point, right? You've got investors and you've got renters. And we look at renters going, well, you know, they're, they're more than just somebody in there just paying the rent. You've got to look at the experience that the tenant has in the property. Whilst you want to make platforms great but they can raise repairs, maintenance you do, that sort of stuff, we went one step further and went, okay, look at the hotel experience. Look at the build-to-rent experience. You've got a lot of build-to-rent coming down here in Australia. You've got you know, the likes of big developers coming up with build-to-rent. And what are they offering? Not about necessarily the landlord in that place. They're all around, how do I create a brilliant and beautiful tenant experience? So we took a lot of that view as well and went, well, how do we get to that point? Because as Mina's is saying, like, you create great tenant experience, it's better for the landlord in the long run anyway. It yeah, it's value to the particular property. And some of that is around payments, but we went one step further and started looking at the tenant's life admin. How does the tenant live in the property? What do they do in the property? How can we then not just pay the bills for the landlord, but with EasyShare, now it gives us the ability to do all of that sort of thing for the tenant. Oh, you, know, you move into a property, I'll make this as seamless as possible, right from when you're actually applying for the property, right the way through you going into the property and the life cycle of that property, and when you move out that property as well, and you need references. So what we did is we took that whole holistic view of how someone interacts with the property and how we can make the experience of their everyday interaction with that property better. And that's really an important part to go, because we viewed a tenant like a hotel as a
1: guest you want them to have a great experience mm. and i think that's a really important point isn't it because we're entering like for a long time renters have been treated sort of as second class citizens in you know and and because they haven't had enough money to to you know to own a property but we're entering a period now where generationally a lot of people are going to be renting for a really long time and so people are insisting on better experiences because this is their home the fact that they're renting it is is irrelevant it's still their home and it's still the place where they're you know growing their you know being with friends growing families um it's still special to them as their home for all the same reasons um so mark i had another i had a question that i did actually want to direct to you and and sorry aj i'm gonna i've got a great one for you coming up but um Obviously, a couple of years ago, you, coming out of Macquarie, you looked at what the future of prop tech was, and and your Bonza was the answer. Um, yep. or, and what what the future of property management was? What do you see is coming through in the next in the next five years or so?
3: Look, I where I see this is, I I think it's more around the bit that you focused on investors and renters. I think there's you know, different ways of people owning investment properties. Um, you know, I, I think on one of your previous shows, you might have Bricklet on. I think um, fragmented property. We work closely with Bricklet around fragmented property, and I think especially at a time like COVID, um, has been particularly interesting because you know if you can still get the leverage that you want to get as a as an investor, and, and Bricklet allowed you to do that. But you can you can put your exposure over you know five or six properties as opposed to. You know, spending six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, putting it all into one property, and then something like COVID comes along, and that rent, you know, that renter in that particular area is under stress, and of course, then you, you're basically all in on that. But how do you diversify? So I think from a landlord's perspective, you'll start to look at more diversification in that area, which then really comes back to focusing on property as an investment, um, which means that you've got to have trusted people in place from a from a management perspective to go. How do I view that property is getting a better return on my investment and, and probably removing some of the emotional component out of it a little bit uh, and looking at this direct returns and what it is. I think that's probably an angle where we're going to go from an investor point of view. Uh, you're going to get more investors in the market. I think, as you said before, you're going to get an increase of, of renters um, in the market as well. Home, you know, home ownership is one thing, but certainly, you know, rent will become, will become the new norm and, and you, if you look at you know, someone's life cycle between 18 and 40, you're moving roughly about seven times. You're moving almost on average every two years, right? And people don't necessarily want to f- fix themselves to a particular area. So rent vesting, I think, will certainly increase as well. Obviously, you do want the long-term exposure to property, but at the same time, you want the flexibility in your own life um, to be able to move around. And I guess when you look at things, then the brands that you're moving around with, you want to go into somewhere knowing what experience you're going to get when you get into a particular property. Look at McDonald's, right? There's a lot of companies in the past that have done this well. You walk into one wherever you go around the world, you know what you're going to get. And it's that sort of thing. I think yeah, these, the property management side of the business, I think, will break away from the sales side of the business um, and it will scale a lot bigger in terms of where the sales were. I think sales will still be more a localised element to that. I think property management we know broader based be able to deliver right away across the country we're still touching on obviously local element as well but that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how i see it going in the next five years
1: the PropTech tech association australia is proudly supported by our foundation sponsors stone and chalk the real estate institute of western australia and macquarie if you're passionate about PropTech and would like your business to take a leading role in the prop tech conversation join us by becoming a sponsor Drop us a line at hello at And and look that that's a fascinating idea, isn't it, too? Because there's big repercussions for the real estate business model if it untethers from property management as a whole. Um, AJ, look, landlord direct stuff has always been a small proportion of the market. Um, how how big do you see? you know how 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 big do you see that you could become in the how many landlords out there do want to do it themselves do you reckon
2: well 32 percent of the market right now carly is the numbers so 1.2 million properties um, that are that are self-managing and internationally that's a, a lot bigger than is that australia
1: so. or is that
2: that's australia wow
1: okay
2: yeah yeah so it's a surprising fact right like when we researched this market initially um, because I was a self-managing landlord the first thing I looked at who else is in the same boat as I am in? And, um, and that was 32% of the market, 1.2 million properties. And if you're looking at other, other countries, um, more prevalent in doing self-management as opposed to property management. Australia is, um, is one of the ones that, that are going down the traditional property management path. For us, I, I think, honestly, I, I think that it is growing. I think the, pro, the self-managed side is growing. And we've seen numbers to, to say that it has been growing. And the only, the only difference has been is the, the lack of automation, the lack of technology, and the, and the lack of power that the landlord could receive from technology to do it themselves. Um, and the reason why, especially post-COVID, is going to be about maximizing your rental yield. It's going to be about squeezing every single cent that you can out of your property in order to make sure that your bills are paid. And doing the self-managed way, in, in personal experience, really, um, I've managed to build better relationships with my tenants. Um, uh, that, that's before InstaRent was launched because I was self-managing. We were together collectively better at looking after my asset um, because there was a lot more attention that I could give my own tenants than I could accept, expect an, a property manager to give. So it was just the relationship side. But in terms of, in terms of self-management, it is, it is growing and it's growing rapidly and it's also already a pretty big enough space.
1: So, so question for the, for the group. What... what... Um, what if you were a property manager listening to this panel? What would you be taking out of it? Like, what should what should they be? What should traditional property managers be learning from you around how they then go back to their businesses and and consider changes they should be making?
3: I, I think what they've got to do is look at where they want to go as an individual. So, you know, there's, there's two sides. That <laughs> Screw got, the industry. <laughs> Just well, all about them. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, you've got to look at, you know, are they a real estate licensee? Because a lot of property managers aren't licensees. They're the ones that are sitting down there pushing the work through. They're, I, they're the ones I feel most sorry for because they're the ones that, they're, they're the recipients of what, what the traditional world is right now. So, I think what this does is the disruptors coming in gives them a a point to sort of step back and say, what do I actually want my career to be? Where do I want my career to go? Do I want to attach myself to one of these businesses because they're certainly offering some of the services? You know, do I want to work with them? Because that's a way that they've got to just rethink their careers and where they want to go as as an individual because I think most of it starts as an individual because if it's the property manager, as a licensee, that's a different level. They've got to look, well, how can I work with these disruptors? You know what? What am I? What's most attractive to me in this business? Is it my sales side or is it my property management side? Because if you ask a lot of licensees, they they tend to focus more on the sales side as opposed to property management, which tends to be a poorer cousin in most of these businesses. Um, so, you know, what are the options there for these businesses to work with businesses like Instagram, you know, different ourselves, etc.? So, I think it's it's you've got to look at as not as uh, disruptors into the space but turn that around and go, is there opportunity as me as a traditional business to leverage this somehow? Mm.
1: So, so, Mina, what's your view on this? How how do you – if I was a principal uh, looking at different, how would – is there a way that we could work together?
4: Uh, yeah, absolutely. We're always investigating ways to be able to um, partner with uh, agencies like I think a key thing is like this is a big business in Australia, right? And it's like we definitely don't spend our time thinking about like oh how do we how do we beat other disruptors in this space? Like for us, our focus is how do you offer a singularly great experience to owners and to renters, and I, and I think that that's what drives everything we do. Is like is this gonna is this gonna create a really efficient approach for our operations team to ultimately be able to make sure that. The right thing gets done by the owner and by the renter, and that's what we spend all of our time focusing on. And I think at the end of the day, like that—that's where that's how you win, right? It's like how do you create something that's so great that nobody wants to leave you? That's the most important piece of all of this. Mm. So, so how hard has it been for you guys to get customers? How
1: trusting have investors and landlords and tenants been with you? That's one of the—that's a question we've had from the audience.
4: Yeah, I think I think with any business, when you start, um, you start small, right, and you grow from there. Um, we've been very fortunate to have some really great um, investors on our team. Um, so uh, you know, our our very first investor, um, and from like back when we were we were nothing, when we had I think my my husband's cousin, his other cousin, and a friend <laughs> as our, and, as our customers. and when
1: you say investor, you're talking about property investors. We're not talking about. VC investors or you know money investors. I, I am talking about VC investors. I'm oh okay right.
4: <laughs> I think that the value of institutional investors is that um, they, they've seen a lot of these things happen before right and in, in these same industries and there's a lot of great like parallels and just sort of um, pitfalls to avoid that they can point out and regardless of whether it's property management or other industries it's just like every small business has to start somewhere and has to grow. And like, there's there's very common things that happen along the journey of growth that I think institutional investors bring a great deal of insight into and can help you kind of get around and, and manage that. So I think for us, that's been really great to have those investors. But in addition to that, like, the, a VC investor also happens to officially be a property investor and many of them have friends and many of them have referrals. So like... You know, I think a couple of things that help us are that we, um, we're not uh, based in one specific geographical area. We don't only operate in one or two suburbs. We're like all throughout um, the major cities in which we operate, Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, and now the Gold Coast, and now the Central Coast as well. Um, and so as a result, like what that means is that the number of just Quite frankly, the number of investors is much larger because our base of operations is larger, and so as a result, I think that helps us a lot in terms of getting the um, again being able to reach out to more people um, in a broad way. And there's a lot of different ways by which we acquire customers, but obviously online marketing is one of those things. Brand referrals and you know referrals are a continual and growing base for our team because every property investor knows another property investor, um, and I think if you can if you can show that you're doing the right thing by one person, they're much more willing to recommend you to your friends and family.
1: Mm. Aj, how have you found it? How have you how have you found your market out there? Of you know landlords who who want to manage their own property.
2: It it has been one of those changing the perception of the market, really. But we we ideally we went out for the self managing landlords that are currently self managing. So it 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 the feedback has been great. Like we have because we have digitised all the processes that the landlords were after, and we're constantly gaining feedback as to what should be developed and what functions are necessary for the landlord and the tenant to efficiently self-manage. Um, we're getting ever closer to the to the end result, to the, to the end point where everything is everything is how the feedback dictates it should be. Um, from a self-management perspective, it, it has been a welcome change because not a, not many landlords have had technology to, to do this. And they were doing it on an Excel sheet, which is again, um, you know, quite, quite, uh, quite susceptible to problems that you could have uh, yeah. while you're managing your, your property as well. So, yeah, the, the feedback has been great, and also the adoption of the technology has been, has been quite rapid as well. And post-COVID, we've seen yeah, numbers that, we could have, that, that have been really good in terms of growing the platform quite rapidly. Um, since, since we had, say, Airbnb, for example, that was grounded out of the Nisawas market, you know, we had agents that were grounded, and what, what that meant was uh, everyone was looking for a long-term solution that would provide them a similar sort of functionality that Airbnb did. Um, and that's a lot of properties that hit the market all at once. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, has been, it has been good growth for us. It, 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 I think the technology adoption itself is, is starting to ramp up. I think a lot more people have a lot more time to start looking at how they can efficiently manage their prop- property portfolios and how they could do things differently. Uh, so it has been it has been um, a great learning for us, and I think it would have been for all the other projects as well, because COVID has sort of brought in um, the the technology adoption that the landlords are, landlords and tenants are experiencing, and also um, are more of a push to find out how they can maximize the rental yield. And the second biggest expense in most cases in your property is property management. First is your mortgage. Second is your property management. So right. so it has it, it is interesting times definitely, but um, I think. Technology and automation definitely are the way forward, either for agencies, traditional agents, or the prop tech uh, disruptors that are, that are entering the market or are in the market.
1: So what's the response been from principals and traditional property managers to to your tech, um, Mark or Mina? Are they embracing it or are they sort of going, oh, it'll never take off, we don't need to worry about this? It's,
3: it's, it's <laughs> mixed. Um, it's certainly mixed. You get believers and non-believers, but, I mean, that's that's just not in this industry. You, you see it like, in all industries. I mean, I mean, it came out of Uber there, right? And you, you can see what the response was from taxi drivers around around Uber. I mean, that's a, that's uh, a classic
1: It'll never there, take right? off.
3: It'll, it'll <laughs> never take off. You, know, you see what that's done around the world. Look, um, there is no one-size-fits-all in terms of what principles and, and property managers are saying that, you know, some are believers, some are saying this is a genuine
1: you know way of the future and, and whilst I was just, you know, resisting in, in any way they can. So Mina when you were at Uber and and, uh, and Google like you would have seen the network effect sort of happening. What does that look like in in this space and for different?
4: Yeah, I think for us, it falls into two areas, right? One is, you know, as I mentioned before, it's about data. So the more maintenance requests that we have coming through our system, the more data we're tracking, the better we get at being able to answer the question of who's the best electrician in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, right? And like, best is so much more than just cheapest. It's fastest, fairest price, done well the first time, never needs to come back. And the more and more you do of those things and more of those kinds of problems you solve, the better you get at being able to answer that question for anyone. And for us, that's really kind of the way we think about different is like we're not just property managers. We're assistants for the home. And if you can be assistants for the home for investment properties, you can do that across all properties. Like I know, for example, with all this rain in Sydney, we've got roof leaks in our house. Guess who I got (laughs) coming to fix me? in our house. Like, it's really easy. I just follow the same people who I would get to fix the best, like the best roof fixers in anyone else in the, in the area that we live in. And I get that directly from difference. We just get better and better at doing those kinds of things. Um, so I think that's one area in terms of network effects is that you can just answer this question so much better doing the right thing to fix problems in the house. Um, and then I think the second thing is, you know, as, as our business continues to grow, um, you know, we're fortunate that we've seen a ton of growth over the past, um, over the past sort of few years, like our you know, it's, it's big, and I think that that's an, a wonderful thing, and what that means is, like, that's just a larger base of um, owners and, uh, and renters who will refer to other owners and renters. And so, I think, really, you know, word of mouth is the best possible way to get new people on board, and, and we firmly believe that, and we can provide a great experience for our, for our customers, then ultimately we win. And,
1: and are there benefits to tenants, like, are tenants, are these new ecosystems that, that you guys are building that are completely digital, are they making it easier for tenants to prove that they are good tenants and that they are a good investment?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess going back to, to the point before where we acquired easy share for that, but the, the benefits we see for tenants is around how do we create that brilliant experience for them? Not just getting in there and hoping they're going to pay rent, but how do we actually treat them like a guest in that property? And that's that's what we've really done a lot of focus on as well. You know, obviously, there's the repairs and maintenance. There's all of this data that we're collecting. But with that data, also, how do we use it to the tenant's advantage if the tenant actually then needs to go and take you know, a mortgage out in the future or they're buying another investment property? How can you use what they've been doing in terms of their rent, rent payments? How can they use that for themselves going forward? Yeah, we collect a huge amount of data around that, but ours is around. Well, how can we empower the persons whose data it is to actually uh, do what they need to do? Be it, be it taking out a mortgage or a property, be it you know splitting their bills in a in, in a in a share house, and all that sort of thing.
2: Charlie, just to add to that as well, you know, we've for, for tenants when Instagram when we built it, I think I've been a landlord and a tenant in the past as well. And the things that really annoyed me about being a tenant, one. If you get rejected for a property, there's no transparent answer as to why you got rejected. Mm-hmm. Second, applying for these properties—you know, going property to property and then filling out forms and doing that multiple times over—is also a, a, a task that, that wasn't efficient enough. So for us, it was about transparency, so tenants could come in, do their rental resume where they've done all their details once, and they can apply for that. Apply for as many properties as they want at the back of that. They can connect to the utilities. They can manage their payments. They can pay through the app. They get real-time notifications for arrears and and real-time notifications to to pay their rent. They can they can add their expenses. They can do they can do their inspections in a, in a virtual way. They can they can enter all their repair details. Um, the reason why we did that and we brought the same level of functions to the landlord as we did to the tenant is really to make their life less um, less intrusive, to be honest, because mm-hmm. So, they can do all the digital aspects of everything they need to do. It's all tracked. We have all the data. They have all the data, all in real time. And it becomes less intrusive. So, they don't have property managers chasing them every single time. It's all there. It's all overarching. So, you can see everything.
1: Fantastic. So, look, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. We could discuss this all day. I'm sure it could actually make an entire conference. Um, But I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap it up there. So, I wanted to Thank everybody. Thanks to our panelists, Mark Trow from Yabonza, Mina Radhakrishnan from Different, and AJ Chand. I think we've covered most of the topics for that were asked in the questions. Um, and I'd be I would love to hear whether there's anyone in the commercial space doing anything uh, like we've seen on the panel today. Please reach out to us. Um, I'd also like to thank the PropTech Association uh, board: Simon Yates, Jennifer Harrison, uh, Mary Ann Lampertan, AJ Chand, and Kylie Dillon for their help with this event. Our next virtual event, we're, or we're getting organised now. It's going to be on auctions and negotiation platforms. So we'll come up with a sexier title before August, but that's pencilled in to take place on Tuesday, August twenty-five. Um, and the reason we're doing that because in our PropTech panel last month, Chris Rolls um, gave us his views on why he felt auction platforms had scalability issues, so we thought we'd better give the sector a chance to respond because there's nothing like a good debate. So, a very big thank you to Stone & Chalk for getting behind the event and their support for Australian PropTech. If you're a PropTech looking for a great workspace with other businesses kicking goals across FinTech and PropTech, I really do encourage you to check out Stone & Chalk with their co-working space in Sydney, Adelaide and Melbourne um, because we can't stay home forever. And thank you, everyone, for your time. Thank you again to our panellists. This is Kylie Davis signing off.